0: Hi there, This is Nadia Hi. zenonco.io and Love Heals Cancer. We guide cancer patients on adopting an integrative oncological treatment approach. We help them find the balance between medical treatment and complementary treatment approaches. We help patients with our team of oncologists, lab experts, nutritionists and other healthcare care professionals so that the overall outcome of the treatment for the patient is at its best. We also help in connecting patients with other cancer warriors like yourself here today, you know, who have gone through a certain journey to address queries, to know the information and share it among ourselves. And we have Sukriti here today to tell us her inspirational journey of how she went through what she went through, in turn to motivate all of us out there. Sukriti, this is your story. Over to you. The whole world is listening to you. I can't wait to hear her myself. I'm, I'm pretty sure our viewers can't wait to. Please, take the stage. Hi, so I'm Sukiti. I'm 18 and I'm a student. So I should probably begin from the time when... Um, so I'm a two-time cancer survivor, two-time childhood cancer survivor. And uh, so I'll start with... Um, So I think the first red flag was when I started getting tired for everything at the age of 14. So I just chugged it up to be like I was obese. I was obese as a teenager. So I thought, yeah, like I'm fat. So I need to exercise more. It's probably my weight. So this went on. And one day I noticed this weird lump near my collarbone. So I thought... Okay, so maybe it's my tonsils. And I was so excited about this because my friend recently had a surgery for her tonsils and she got to eat ice cream. So I was very excited that I want to get my tonsils removed. So coincidentally, at that time, we were studying about the human throat. So I noticed that tonsils are not supposed to be near your collarbone. They are supposed to be here, like near your thyroid. So uh, I told this to my parents and we went to a local doctor. And I was diagnosed with mumps, which is like a form of, I I don't know what mumps is. So this was that and life went on. I even gave my ninth final exams and I was in class 10th. But then uh, I developed a weird coughing fit and it used to always end with vomiting and nausea, fever. So this was concerning and a major red flag. So we finally decided to, to go to a multi-speciality hospital. And at that time, we lived in a hill station. So we had to go to Dheradun, which was the nearest town. And we went to a multi-speciality hospital. And we, uh, I think we saw an ENT doctor. And he diagnosed me with uh, tuberculosis after a biopsy. So... But the weird part was he even didn't listen to me. And I think this is a very big problem in India that doctors don't listen to you. So I'm really glad you guys are doing this because doctors need to listen to patients for once. So I was diagnosed with tuberculosis and I was put on medication. And he was like, you can go to school, you can live your life normally and everything. And uh, I even went to school. And, uh, but what he didn't tell us was that tuberculosis medicine has really adverse side effects like the side effects are really bad and uh, the more you take the medicine the sicker you get like with chemotherapy so I took the medicine for 15 days and then I stopped like I didn't tell my parents I just stopped just a second please I'm sorry yeah so you were saying you went to school and you got it got bad after taking the tuberculosis medication so, uh, and also like they provided no aftercare, like they didn't tell me what to do if I was nauseated or I like felt sick. So I was pretty confused there and I, so, but the thing is that tuberculosis medicine didn't make me better, feel better. Like the lump was growing, my coughing fits were getting worse. So we finally decided to go to Delhi, like, like everyone does in these cases. So we went to AIMS and uh, at AIMS, like during this time, like the tuberculosis medicine and AIMS, there's a gap of six months because I was misdiagnosed by at least two doctors more. They said it's just tuberculosis and you just take this, these medicines and you'll be fine. But I was not getting better. The medicines were making me sick. So we went to AIMS and at AIMS, they finally discussed the possibility of cancer. So nobody really thinks that you have cancer when you are coughing, right? Because cancer is not some... Like, obviously, when you Google, the first thing they'll tell you is that you have cancer. But we, nobody really thinks about this. So, um, at Ames, they discussed the possibility of cancer. And, uh, like, you know how things are at AIMS. So, we decided to go to a private hospital, Midanta. And I was finally diagnosed with stage 3b lymphoma, Hodgkin's lymphoma, after close to eight months of misdiagnosis. So I was pretty much suffering for a month from the first meeting with that doctor to Midanta. there's a gap of eight months. So I was diagnosed with uh, stage 3b cancer. And honestly, I was not shocked. I was relieved that finally there's something that will help me. But everyone around me was shocked because as they are, I was 14. Nobody really expected this. And we don't have a history of cancer in our family. But with childhood cancer, I think it's genetic. Like you have some sort of gene. So I was diagnosed with cancer and immediately put on chemotherapy. So doctors initially decided that they'll do four, four settings of heart chemotherapy, which is BCOP. And four settings of light chemotherapy, which is ABVP, I think ABVP or something. I don't remember clearly. And uh, so I ended up with nine cycles of heart chemotherapy and seventeen settings of radiation too. So like my chemotherapy started, and uh, you know, as the word as word got around, like I used to get so many messages. People used to pretend that I'm going to die or something. Every so many people started visiting me and it was like, like, remember how when people die, like, generally, when people to attendance, like, I was alive, but people were pretending, pretending that I was dead. So this was like a bummer. <laughs> so life went on. And I started chemotherapy. So... I was relieved that I was diagnosed with cancer and my coughing fit stopped and I thought my suffering was over but you know how chemotherapy is it basically kills everything inside you without killing yourself so chemotherapy went on the side effects were manageable but the best thing was that they had aftercare like they used to give me nausea medicine and uh, if I was feeling if my platelets were down they used to immediately give me a platelet infusion so like I was scared for at least, so this was a big blessing and uh, uh my first cancer treatment went on for like a year, so like nine cycles of heart chemotherapy was usually spanned into like uh like a month, so I spent like nine months uh with chemotherapy and then seventeen days more for radiation, so my chemotherapy started and i think the part i uh, battled most with was coming to terms with the isolation because cancer is very isolating like you are physically isolated from everyone like we are right now like you're not supposed to meet many people because you can get infections so it was very isolating and uh, everyone around me was like uh, like peers my age for going to school completing their boards so i had to drop one year so I had to basically uh, stop going to school for a year. So then uh, what happened? Like, will you ask me any questions? Because I don't know what else to say. I'm definitely going to ask you more questions. But yeah, okay, after so, that, you, you were going into your second, the second coming okay. back. Yeah. So like, after... After seventeen settings of radiation and everything, I was just finally done, and I thought that okay, this is the last time I'm going to through, go through this, and बस uh, But then uh, life and you were getting on. better. I you were getting yeah, better. I was getting better. I was getting better. My coughing fit stopped. My fever stopped, and uh, the lumps started getting smaller, and uh, so many things started getting better finally. And I feel like chemotherapy did that because I had cancer to begin with, but I was diagnosed with tuberculosis. So then uh, hmm, let me just think. I'm sorry. Okay, take your time. Take your time. uh, I've written some things down. Yeah. So uh, I started losing my hair, which is like a big thing with cancer. And it's also... Mentioned in pop culture so much, like all cancer patients are depicted bald without any hair. So, I started losing my hair, which was hard, especially for my mother, not so much for me. I was relieved that I won't have to take care of my hair, but my mom, she was really heartbroken, and my father too. And um, so, oh, I'll show you a picture of when I was with no hair. Let me just show you a picture. I was also on steroids. So I basically looked like an alien for nine months. Just give me a second. I have the picture. And it was hard for people around me, but I didn't really care much. I looked like this. Not able to see properly, but we'll definitely share with after, after after the call. So it was really tough for my parents more than me. Like it was tough for everybody around me. And I was really oblivious to the fact that they are hurting. So... Yeah, and I also reconnected with so many of my old friends and they reached out to me and I'm super grateful for that because you need people when you're going through this. You need support, you need compassion. More than sympathy, I think you need compassion. Sympathy just makes you feel bad. Like Nobody wants pity, right? So More of an uh, empathy I'm that I'm really you're looking for. for- yeah, yeah, empathy. You're yeah, looking for empathy. And... Uh, I had a great support system during my first cancer. And uh, so I was finally cured after nine settings of heart chemotherapy and radiation. I was finally cured. I also gave my 10th birth exam. I went to school after my first cancer. Everything was like moderately back to normal. But then one day, when I returned from school, I started getting nauseous and I felt that maybe okay, maybe. It's the heat or something. But the thing is, the nausea never went away for like 20 days. And even my periods and everything just worsened. It was like, it was as if everything was dialed to 11. My periods didn't stop. The nausea didn't go away. I always had an upset stomach. So at this time, we I was already in touch with my doctor, like with my original oncologist. And so she recommended for me to come back to Delhi and we went back to Delhi so actually even my doctor was so surprised to find out that I have cancer so she when we went to Delhi initially she thought that maybe it's just some parasite or a bug or maybe it's just some infection that was prolonged but uh, after many tests and uh, many CT scans we found out that I had uh, acute myeloid leukemia so after like at the age of 14 I was diagnosed with lymphoma and at the age of 16 I was diagnosed with leukemia so this time this one hit me like a ton of bricks I was so shocked because I thought this was over like you're not supposed to get cancer twice this is how it doesn't like this is how it's not supposed to be and um, everyone around me was so shocked and it was a shit show, if I say so myself. Like, uh, I all I could do was cry. Like, the funny thing is, I didn't even cry once during my first treatment. But during my second treatment, all I did was cry. Like, even if somebody tried to talk to me, I was saying, no, please let me cry first. So it was really bad. And this time around, during my second and last treat, last cancer, I was supposed to get a bone marrow transplant because what happened was the treatment from the first Right, you needed a bone marrow transplant? Yeah, because the treatment from the first cancer actually suppressed my bone marrow so much and it never recovered. So I needed a bone marrow transplant and also so Uh, I also needed a donor. So my brother donated. He's 11 and he donated me his bone marrow. And uh, the treatment for this cancer was super different because with chemotherapy, you're supposed to get the chemo and then you get the side effects. But with bone marrow transplant, you get the bone marrow and then six months after this, it's just like a whole big side effect so my brother he's 11 he donated me his bone marrow and I'm super grateful for that I don't let I don't let him find out that I'm grateful but I'm super grateful and it's as if like um, so when you get a bone marrow transplant done it's like you're like how we wipe out a memory drive so all your memory and all your cells memory is wiped out and you start afresh, like almost like a newborn baby. So my Im- immunity is that of a newborn baby currently. So the whole pandemic and everything is super hard for me because I can't go outside because I'll, uh, I'm prone to infections. And it's just hard for me right now. And I think people need to understand that when we say wear a mask, stay indoors, it's especially for people who are immune. Uh, compromised right you need to do it for others not for yourself so uh, my brother donated me his bone marrow and the treatment for my second cancer was a little bit different because I didn't get any chemotherapy it was just a bone marrow transplant and then six months in hospital so I was in in a room for six months and this treatment was super mentally taxing like I feel like with my first cancer, I was, it was like a merry-go-round. I was like positivity, even in cancer, I used to get loads of visitors and I used to go back home too. But with this cancer, I was stuck in the hospital for close to six months. And that too in a very super, like super small room. And it was, I was not allowed to have visitors. So that was a bummer. And uh, can you hear me properly? I can. Definitely. Go on. So that was a bummer. And uh, I also lost so many friends during my second cancer. And uh, I feel like the second and the last cancer, I should call it my last cancer because now this is it. So like my last cancer uh, molded me into the person I am today because it taught me a lot. And um, I feel like I'm super grateful to have this life right now. And uh, the thing that actually pulled me through everything was my mother. She was my primary caregiver through both the cancers. And she was the beacon of light in my life. And uh, she looked after me. She even took leave from her job for close to two years just to look after me. And uh, it was like, I think we need to be just grateful to our parents for what whatever they do and especially when you're a teenager all you do is be irritated from your parents like you hate your parents when you're a teenager I feel like like I don't hate them, hate them anymore but, but when I was 13 all I did was hate my parents and I was like aise karu." you don't understand me but now I'm super grateful and uh, it was not a good experience but it has taught me a lot so yeah, would you like to ask me more questions? Or like, would you want me to go into more detail about this? Like this is like a short summary. I can elaborate if you want. I have got the picture definitely. But I think my questions will help you elaborate as well. We would yeah, love to hear your elaboration. I'm not, not a good orator. I'm not That's a good okay. orator. I can't speak for long durations. <laughs> okay. That's completely yeah. fine. I have to tell you that I'm really honored, by the way, to be even mm. speaking to you. To, to at least know that someone out there has gone through something like this. And trust me, people watching this are definitely going to be not just inspired, so many questions answered there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Because I wish I had this kind of support when I was going through cancer because I didn't know many people who were going through the same thing I was going through. And I... Like it helps when, you know, someone out there is going through the same thing and you feel a little less alone. Yes, that is what we want. That is our intention here today, because like you at this point in time, as we speak, there are many people going through what you went through. So why not pay it forward, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So coming to one of my questions, um, If you talk about self-examination, other than the different, I mean, the different kinds of like symptoms that you spoke about, nausea, other than that, you were not given any, I mean, there wasn't anything that your body was showing that you saw physically that there was anything that showed that you. Yeah, I didn't see anything physically other than the lump and nausea and tiredness, I didn't see anything unusual and nothing that was too concerning. So yeah, nothing other than the nausea and the lump. Yeah, also right. like shortness of breath. Right. Oh, so shortness. He means. Right. Okay, and going on to my next question, um, what do other people out there watching this video? What can they expect? You know. What message do you have to give them as a survivor? I I feel like, um, I think you should just put all your preconceived notion about cancer, like how cancer is specially portrayed in pop culture. Like when someone is diagnosed diagnosed with cancer, especially in movies, it's like a death sentence for them, right? But now cancer is actually 70 to 80% curable. Like the recovery rate is 70 to 80%. So I feel like you shouldn't take it as a death sentence rather than just take it as a normal disease. Maybe like imagine like cough and cold, but you, you are having cough and cold for a year. So like it's just a disease and it's not a big deal. And you'll get through this because, um, uh, thanks to medical science, everything is so much easier now. And, uh, uh, surround yourself with people who support you, who uh, nurture you, who um, and uh, honestly just take care of your body and be patient with your body because your body is going through literal poison to uh, take care of you and just take care of your body and stay hydrated because hydration is really important. <laughs> so yeah, I don't have much to say. <laughs> right. It It isn't much with I mean, sweet and short is what matters. The thought is what comes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, c- coming to your lifestyle, um, could you tell us hmm. exactly what your lifestyle used to be before you were diagnosed with cancer and while you went through cancer and after cancer? Like, compared to these stages. of so life I, Okay. So, my lifestyle before cancer was... I was a pretty active teenager. I was involved with, like many cultural activities and like even after being obese I was pretty active. Although my uh, food habits were questionable I used to binge on junk food like every teenager does I feel like and uh, they were a bit choppy so yeah my food habits were like normal I if I can say normal like home-cooked food and occasional junk food so yeah. And during cancer, I was put on a diet. I was put on a new, uh, neutral pending diet, which is basically a protein. Um, I, I'm not sure, but I was put on a protein diet and I, I had to follow that. So basically paneer, egg, chicken, rice, and so yeah, just home cooked food. And now my diet is just subway and dominoes. So yeah, my diet is not good right now, but I try to eat healthy. So, yeah. Normal diet. I didn't do anything uh, adverse or like normal home cooked food. So, so but my diet didn't really change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You were saying? Mm. Trying to stick to home food, home cooked food, and eating healthy yeah, is what you're food. food. Yeah, home cooked food. Right. Um, coming to the importance of caregivers, what would you like to say about in that factor? Because caregivers tend to get sidelined a lot. Right? Uh, yeah. Everyone's concentrating on the patient, everyone's concentrating there. So how would you like to talk to us about that? So like I mentioned earlier, my mother was my primary caregiver. So she was by my side 24x7. And I feel like uh, it was much more harder than, for her than me because she had to see her daughter go through cancer twice, lose her can- here twice. Like no mother wants to see this. So I believe that you should be just probably give give them a warm hug from time to time and let them know that you're super thankful for all they are doing because trust me, taking care of another person is very difficult. Like uh, we can barely take care of our of ourselves, right? And imagine take care uh, taking care of a person who is also sick. So. Just uh, also, like, give them, a, give them a hug and let them know that you are thankful for all the help you're getting. And uh, because cancer can be very emotionally taxing, especially for the caregivers. Because, they, uh, yeah, so yeah, this much. No worries. Take your time. No tension. Mm-hmm. Take your time. You're just okay. having, we're just having a conversation, are yes yeah so coming to the lessons learned from all of this as you mentioned gratitude before um you're very grateful you wake up every day you wake up every day with a sense of gratefulness yeah hello um hello tell me hello yeah, so uh, from where should I begin? Like from the part I was talking about my mother? Yes. Okay. So um, as I mentioned earlier, my, my mother was my primary caregiver. And can you hear me? Gratefulness, okay. So yeah, I'm super grateful to be alive and I'm really grateful to have this life now and to be able to wake up every day and take my dog out and play with my dog, socialize with my friends and do everything. And I used to dream about this stuff when I was uh, back in hospital. So I, I have a newfound gratefulness towards life. And like, um, although I developed a pessimistic attitude after my second cancer, now I think about what will go wrong first rather than what will go right. So I feel like this is like a new addition to my personality. But yes, I'm grateful to be alive. You're being able to see it in a completely different perspective, right? Yeah, a completely different perspective, yeah. But definitely you're someone who has taken over cancer twice, not once. So the pessimism can, I think, take a backseat, I feel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but like, now I like to expect the worst first rather than the best. Because so you're better prepared. Cancer, I was, Yeah, I'm better prepared now. And like during my first cancer, I was very optimistic about everything. Because my doctor told me that people who are optimistic and basically positive about the treatment they are being given get better results and get less side effects. So I just decided to take on that approach and go towards the positive route. But when I was diagnosed again, I feel like the whole mental palace I had built with positivity and everything just came crashing down. And all I could think about was like nothing, like the world is, I don't know how to explain it, but it was like, no positivity and everything is just not worth it at this point because I was not supposed to get cancer twice like this was not in the plan so yeah so I've definitely developed a pessimistic attitude but I think it's for the better yeah definitely also you mentioned to us about doctors not listening to you doctors not listening to patients and they need to listen to patients more that is where our integrative oncology comes in don't you think where we have organizations that talk and reach out to as many as patients how do you think on that perspective the changes occur? i think that's super yeah i think that's super amazing because you know especially in india if a doctor is arrogant and cocky so he's supposed he or she is supposed to be super experienced and good at what they do but i feel like you should listen to the listen to the patient and their concerns and everything because my current doctor like she's super compassionate and she listens to everything. She makes sure that even my mom is heard. So I feel like, yes, doctors should listen to patients more and maybe try to understand it from their perspective because I feel like they are so used to cancer now. Like especially for oncologists, they see 5-10 patients every day who are going through the same thing. But we, this is like new for us. So, yeah. Right. Right. And here you're getting to speak your story. You're getting to speak your truth as well. How do you feel about that? I'm really excited to do this. Like I'm not a good orator and I'm not a person that talks much. So this is a little bit difficult for me, but, uh, yes, I'm super, super grateful to share my story with possibly someone who's going through this and who thinks they are alone. So, yeah. Definitely, that is surely our intention. Um, Putting forth, what your reaction was when you finally saw the reports that you were cancer-free? How did you react? Oh, I was elated! Like, um, so when a treatment is planned out, so doctor gives you like uh, an approximate date, like your treatment will be over by supposedly April 2019. So you already have that in mind that you'll be fine by April 2019. But things happen. Things are delayed. Your body doesn't respond to the treatment as well as it's supposed to. So, yes, I was so elated. And uh, I like with my first cancer, I thought I was free. But with my second cancer, I was really apprehensive. I was like, no, I'm not going to celebrate this. This is like a normal day for me. But I was super happy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah. While, uh, what is your message out there to everybody—caregivers, survivors, patients—everybody listening to Sukriti in one mm. sentence or maybe in a few sentences? Maybe, uh, how would you sum up your entire journey and give them like words of wisdom? Mm, oh, let me just think about this <laughs> for a while. Like. Um, mm- right you were saying yeah so i would just say that um treat people with kindness like my favorite singer harry styles says this that uh treat people with kindness and i think we need to be more kind to each other and more compassionate and uh, be understanding and uh, like if you know someone who's going through cancer right now just reach out to them and just don't pretend like something is wrong or they're going to die or like this is a death sentence just be there for them be their friend be there whatever your relation may be just be there for them i feel like and yeah and especially for people with cancer i feel like um try to distract yourself this really helps because um i distracted myself like Um, with art, with movies, with Netflix, and so much. So just try to distract yourself. Try to distance yourself from your disease. Like, you are not your disease. Like, you are not. uh, Just try to distance distance yourself from everything. And uh, I think you'll be fine. If you just treat yourself normally, I think you'll be fine. Wow thank you so much sukriti thank you so much for spending so much time with us no, to, no to tell us, thank you To tell us all that you have been through I, for me also I actually you're actually revisiting your own story and you took me also with you on this on this talk that we're having today yeah um thank you for that it is really an honor thank you so to, much to be talking all. to someone who has been through cancer twice it is a big thing for you me know. at least as someone who is not gone through it but definitely I'm trying to understand what you have been through. I can only imagine it. Yeah. And definitely our viewers out there going to so many queries answered from and that to a child survivor. So yeah. it is it is a big thing. It is a big thing to be able to speak about it, to be there and get your story out there. And more strength to you, more power to you. Keep on inspiring thank you so all much. of us.